Welcome to Pure Sex Radio with your hosts, Jonathan and Stephen. This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. And now, please welcome Jonathan and Stephen on Pure Sex Radio. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and of course, I always have uh, my good friend Stephen Cervantes here with me. So, Stephen, thanks for being on the program today. Yes, excited. You doing all right? Yes, I am. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so to just kind of set up uh, what we're going to be doing today... Um, you know, there's a there's a TED talk by a counselor and professional speaker. Her name is Esther Perel, and uh, she did a talk on rethinking infidelity. It's an excellent about twenty minute talk. Um, you know, she's not coming from a biblical worldview, but lots of great just just wisdom in there and just some interesting insights. And we're going to be kind of unpacking a lot of the things that are in there because the reality is infidelity affairs, unfaithfulness. These are these are things that um, that can uh, attack a marriage, and we want to be able to understand how do we unpack that, and how we how do we learn how to respond to that, and how do we uh, overcome that in a way that is um, that is that can still be uh, cause there to be a flourishing relationship. In other words, not always think that um, any kind of infidelity must always be the end to a marriage. So, Stephen, I wanted to kind of pass right. it off to you to sort of continue to set the stage for us and, and tell us where we're going to be going. So one counselor shared with a friend, the friend shared with me, another counselor, and I shared with Jonathan. So I love beefy stuff. I don't like little simple answers that are, you know, that waste my time. This is a beefy talk about this topic. Um, it, it will make you think cause it just, she says, I've traveled for 10 years looking at this one topic and what are all the parts that make up infidelity? And she said, by definition, there's three parts. There's a secretiveness to the relationship. There's an emotional connection and there's sexual alchemy. So think about that you got to be secretive and then remember we talk in this program emotional connection if you're not making it at home and somebody out there works to make a connection with you you're vulnerable and that's men or women right so so i thought that was interesting she said watch for these three parts yeah and i think there's a um you know one of the things that she said about the sexual alchemy there is is there's this idea that um it's almost about the desire. It's almost about the anticipation. It's almost about the longings, even more than necessarily the actual acting out sexually. Yes. And so I, I really feel like when you tie that into the secretive aspect and the emotional connection, it makes a whole lot more sense of what can comprise and an actual And are you thinking affair. about this forbidden thing when you say that? Yeah. Because she talked about this dynamic. When something is for, forbidden, she said... Um, and you can't have it, and so you work to have it. Then you feel a new sense of being alive because you can have something. 
that's off limits. And there's a dynamic, right? We all know that if something is sinful and evil and bad and we go over there, it somehow makes us feel more than just the good kid doing the right thing. Well, and we know that in in Scripture because it talks about, you know, Paul says, um, you know, I, I didn't really know what covetousness was until I looked at the law and said, don't covet. Then all of a sudden, everything about covetousness <laughs> just sort of came out of me. And uh-huh. sometimes people have tried to use that as an argument to say, see, we should have just, we should be anarchists. We should just abolish all those laws because it's really the law, these, these restrictions that are mm-hmm. making you, you know, want to have an affair and all these kinds of things. So let's just get rid of marriage, you know, have open. One of the things that I thought was interesting that she mentioned in there was the reality that even in open relationships, these relationships that say, listen, we're sexually free to do whatever we want, there can still be an infidelity aspect to that, that we just think of it, we think of monogamy, it it changes the dynamic of thinking of monogamy and infidelity because even within open relationships, there is this intuitive understanding that there need to be lines set somewhere. But think about there what you're saying, be, because the forbidden, even when it's open, even if when it's, it's open, forgiven, right? Exactly because right. the other thing she said that was really interesting, she says, uh, our imaginations are responsible for a lot of love. Mm. We use our imagination. We imagine, she said, in imagining a first kiss with someone can be so enchanting you know, it can equal like an orgasm of enchantment. Our minds turn to this this forbidden, and we start to create with our imagination. And I thought, wow, that's good. Well, I think that's sometimes why we get um, disillusioned about marriage. And let me just kind of go down this rabbit trail for a second and see what you think of this. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons that we can then become disillusioned with marriage is because because we have such powerful imaginations, right? I mean, think about it, Stephen. When you when you are falling in love with somebody, and mm-hmm. and you are imagining life with that person in a in a monogamous, faithful relationship, mm-hmm. your imagination will always be able to take that further than reality. Right, right? Seed, absolutely. So then when you begin to unpack and live out this relationship, mm-hmm. you realize, wait a second, things things are a lot neater and cleaner and they're not messy in my imagination and I can I can fly in my imagination. <laughs> because like I can That's things right. can happen in that super orgasm in that in place. Right. So that's why I think then sometimes the forbidden and the affair can become attractive is because mm. it may not necessarily... One of the things she brought out was affairs are not always the case of being dissatisfied with your partner, but this illusion that I can be happier. So it's not this idea necessarily of I'm dissatisfied, I'm unhappy with my partner. This isn't a bad place. But boy, I could be happier. And it's that imagination, right? Yes, yes. And and I hope our listeners are kind of understanding what we're saying here because it can sound like, well, if you're thinking of happier, you must be dissatisfied in some way. No, it's the it's the super imagination that can take you from think of it like we want to go on this path of good, better, best, right? Well, yeah. yeah, this is good, but I think I can have better. Yes. And that's where the imagination can trap us. and Yes, and lead us astray. You know what she said? In a real relationship, 
You have to be a great lover, a great friend, a great parent, a great emotional connector. You have to be my intellectual equivalent. You're supposed to play all those roles in this marriage. If, I don't know if I said that, if I said a great marriage, but in a real marriage, mm-hmm. you have to play these 10 or 12 roles really well. And if you don't, I'm going to be disappointed. Hmm. But who does? Who plays all 10 or 12 roles perfectly? Nobody, right? And what are we going to do with that? There's some disappointment. And, and if you've heard me talk before, I think we have to use the tool of grieving. In any regular healthy marriage, we have to grieve that we don't have perfection. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a hard, um, that, that's part of that recognition. And if I, could, if I could put it this way, sort of grieving of the disillusionment that we have in relationship between our, uh, again, our imaginations and reality is that we can't be all of those things, but that doesn't mean that in any one of those areas where there isn't equality, that we then go seek it elsewhere. Yes. You know, that's why, I mean, if you think about the many things that we've heard over the years that tended to be maybe the impetus for certain affairs or, or um, unfaithfulness, how many times have you heard it start with, well, this wasn't present in my wife, but it was present in my secretary. Right. or so, You know, it's like... My wife there's wasn't, a, and she didn't. And, and so we see a deficiency here, yep. but outside we see this, you know, supply. I want to jump back to this whole idea of desire. It's really interesting. She says, with infidelity thinking, you say, you know, I deserve to be happy. I have this desire to be happy, and I should be happy, and... Why can't I pursue my happy my happiness? And in fact, why can't I be the happiest possible? Mm-hmm. That's desire run amok, right? You have good, you said, but why can't I have the goodest or the bestest or the happiest or the mostest? Or why do I have to have just good? Yeah, right? that's desire gone astray. Well, not to jump too far ahead, but one of the things that that I think we miss in our culture and just maybe even just our our humanity if we go down this mindset of the desire of just better, 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 more, more, more. And by the way, I think that's a very that's very ingrained in us in the West. The very highly productive success reward mentality culture that says more, more, more. And then you translate that to a relationship. I think that one of the reasons we have difficulty with that is because we fail to recognize the benefit of limitations. We don't think in those terms in the West, do we? That it's good to have boundaries. That it's good to have boundaries. That it's good to actually recognize limits of capacity. That it's good even, if I can put it this way, without anybody, you know, reaching through the microphones and slapping me, that it's actually good to face adversity. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that I have, uh, certainly that my wife and I have learned and continue to learn along the way, and especially I, I love to tell young couples when they're thinking about getting married or they're newly married, is we have in our society placed the pinnacle the picture of the pinnacle of a rock-solid relationship firmly into just what we might call the honeymoon phase of the relationship. Right. Like, listen, if sexual energy is high, if, if, if uh, you know, 
no conflict is really just all these kind of like you're you're in the butterfly stages <laughs> of just like love. And I will often tell them, I'll say, you know what really forges the bond in a in a marriage relationship? It's going through pain, illness, uh, conflict. Yes. Even, even if I can put it this way, not that we aim for this, but even the brokenness of an affair. Those are the some of the fires yeah. that cause you to rethink what are my priorities and what am I going to do about this relationship. And, and you know what, what occurred to me as I was thinking about this talk on infidelity. Why do we want to bring that up? Why do we want to talk about infidelity? We're going to make people uncomfortable. But as a married person, it reminded me what's missing that people get stupid. Mm -hmm. And if you know what's missing, you could do something about it. Right. But if you just rock along, Joe Average, having a Joe Average relationship with everything is average... Something's missing. And you know what? She made this incredible statement. She said, if you just took 1% of the energy that a person uses to have an affair and turned it on your marriage, it would translate your marriage. You would never have an affair. Right. But it would bring all that energy. And I mean, think about what we're talking about, desire and passion and imagination and effort and secrecy and all that energy. If you brought it home and showed interest in your wife and shook it up and became creative— yeah, it would enter. This talk has a potential to energize a marriage. Now, before we move too far ahead in terms of like, hey, what are you know, what are kind of the positive result? What can we do about this? I want to keep kind of unpacking what she was talking about in terms of understanding even some of the differences now in terms of the effects of an affair versus maybe historically. You know, it. Um, even a hundred years ago, maybe even fifty years ago, mm-hmm. the discovery process of oh, an affair—this was good—the discovery process of an affair is very <laughs> different from it is from the way it is today. Yeah. And so, what what happens? And I'll describe it in a minute, listeners. But the the depth of trauma that a betrayed spouse feels today is is much more than maybe somebody from 50 or 100 years ago, the reason being of, of how things are discovered mm-hmm. today. So, for instance, you know, 50 years ago, a wife might find a receipt in her husband's pant pocket for a restaurant and maybe some lipstick on a collar. A handkerchief or a smell or something, yeah. And that doesn't diminish a traumatic element to that discovery, Right. Nowadays, a wife might find a message on her husband's phone and then do digging and find hundreds upon hundreds of messages and expressions of longings and desires and photo exchanges. And and one of the ways she put it is she says that, you know, in the digital age, infidelity is a death by a thousand cuts. Oh, my goodness. That was powerful. And... And so every, just, one, every one of those love poems, love stories, I love you, is a cutting of a wife. And she goes through and she has to relive two years of an affair. She can read the whole thing. And she said in real time. It's graphic. It's vivid. Yeah. It, 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 it tra- traumatizes in a different way. So that is one thing that we just need to acknowledge in the day and age that we live, the digital age that we live in. Um, uh, if if you're a wife out there who has experienced this this death by a thousand cuts, 
Um, we do, we grieve with you. Yes. Um, it's, it's hard enough to learn that your mm. spouse has been unfaithful. It's a whole nother thing to have so much data and access to the, the entire, um, you know, infidelity. Yes. And this will be painful to watch if you've had an affair, mm. but it's full of information and challenge and insight we don't want to cause more pain. We don't want you to go if this if you're in a fragile state, don't go watch this. Yeah. It's not terrible. Yeah, it's not. It's just going to stir you. But if you want growth and insight and ideas, if you have a friend that's struggling, if you need good solid information, this is a great little program. One of the things she brought up too was that um this idea that sometimes the motivation for an affair is a reflection of the deficiencies the offender feels in their own life. So, for instance, I think she gave an example of a, a wife who was having an affair who she just, um, how did she describe it? She was kind of, she just was a, kind of always did the right thing. Oh, never, a good girl, never, did good the good girl, thing, right never thing. challenged her parents, didn't break the rules. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and felt a sense of, of lack in her own being. So this had nothing to do with her husband. Her husband was not doing anything mm-hmm. you know, wrong, so to speak, wasn't abusive or anything like that. And uh, she finds herself at 47 years old having an affair with their tree trimmer because yeah. he comes up in a pickup truck and tattoos and so very different from her own experience of life that there was a sense of draw, a sense of curiosity. And what she said in, in there was, this was a good girl that took care of her parents all her life. And she said that girl had, didn't have an adolescence. Mm-hmm. She never felt like a young person, was never. And so I'm sure in her marriage she felt older and responsible with her parents older and responsible. And somebody comes up laughing and joking and trimming the trees and cutting up and making her feel like a little girl. It brings out the weakness in her, and she plays to the weakness. Mm-hmm. Right? That's your point. Yeah. And I, and, and I want our listeners to know that just trying to help help unpack just a lot of things that can be part of maybe the reasoning behind an affair um, doesn't bring out any kind of justification. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't want it to seem like, well, Hey, you know, this little girl, she's taking care of her parents all the time. She's super responsible. So because she didn't get to really experience adolescence. Yeah. When you're 47, have an affair with your tree trimmer, everything's fine. No, we're just trying to help you understand some of the various avenues that can lead to an affair. And the weakness in us, right? I'm going back to repeat what you said, mm -hmm. the weakness in us. Yeah. Somebody can play to and draw out of us. And because one of the things I think she was trying to highlight in the video is that we have very narrowly defined how we think an affair happens. And typically, one of the things she says, we, we, we tend to say, men go to an affair because they're bored. Women go to an affair because they've got a hunger for intimacy. And those are just kind of simplistic mm-hmm. reasons. Not to say that there may not be may have a vast number of people that that's the reasoning, but it's more nuanced than that. There's yes. a whole lot more pain and brokenness that's part of this process of kind of what motivates a person to go into the secretive relationship, the emotional connection, the sexual alchemy with another person than their spouse. So she outlined these issues. <clears throat> she said, why... Does betrayal of a committed relationship occur? What are some of the reasons? What's going on? 
that an affair would expose the weaknesses. And then I think I captured most of them. If you have a longing or a loss, she said a lot of times around affairs, there's been a death of someone Mm -hmm. and there's a loss. And then the question is, is this all there is, she said, is this all there is to life? So longing and loss. Number two, the no emotional connection. There's no intimacy, no value, no growth, no I'm special and you're special. And then there's, she said, number three was freedom. You know, when you're an adolescent, you're free and it's light and it's fun. When you get to be an adult, it's heavy. You're constrained. You're a caretaker. The money has to be spent on others. You have to live this job and daily routine. You don't have freedom. But, but it could be a call for freedom. Number four would be sexual intimacy. And I'm sorry, intensity. Something really jazzed up like Jonathan was talking about, new and fresh and exciting. And, and so that could be part of it. And then the last one she said is a, a, a loss of youth and a desire to be young and wanted and pursued, you know, that youthful thing that happens. You know, in the beginning, when two people tell the world to go away, it's just us. Yeah. You know? And I guess I would ask them, so regardless of maybe some of the reasoning that leads a person maybe to consider or even act upon uh, these desires uh, toward an affair— you know, let's talk a little bit about where she kind of went in terms of maybe some of the healing and and that um, I was actually amazed to hear that she said the majority of couples that experience an affair do not separate. Divorce. That was powerful. I don't think people realize that. I think people think, again, the normal expectation is, listen, if there's been that kind of betrayal in a relationship... Um, not only is it right for you to disconnect and, and divorce, but you must. You know, almost like it's a mandate. You have well, to do that. And do you that, remember man. what she said? She said, you know what the new shame is? Yeah. She said the new shame is staying with the man who cheated. Mm-hmm. It, oh, who can a girl tell? Because her best friend would say, well, get out. Leave that jerk. Who, you know, who can she tell? But is it the best thing? Mm-hmm. Or... Because go on with that, though. What what happens if you stay? You well, know? so one of the things that she tries to introduce to her clients is the idea that there can be a new perspective gained on life. In other words, she's um, she tries to help clients adopt and embrace a discovery mentality towards what might be next. And so many times... When you start unpacking all this reasoning that was part of why a person eventually did have an affair, they can recognize some of that brokenness. They can recognize Mm. some of the personal healing they may need. They can recognize the relational deficiencies they had. They might recognize the the false sense of security they put in these imaginations. They recognize sort of the, the... the necessity for boundaries, the reality of, of just the messiness of relationship. And so it gains a, it's, it's allowing a person in some ways to kind of step out of the imaginary and sort of re-engage the real. Yes. And she made this line that sort of fits with that. She says, sometimes an affair will beat back the deadness I feel inside. Mm. Right. Well, 
what was going on? I was feeling dead in this relationship, and I needed something to wake me up. Uh, so I started my imagination, and I, I, I let my, my passions run wild. But she says, after an affair, we cannot live in status quo anymore. Mm-hmm. The status quo is broken. Now we have to have new, deeper conversations. I love that. Yeah. From the from you know from the brokenness, new life. Mm-hmm. Right? She said. Somebody will say to her, "Should do you encourage affairs? Are you pro affair?" She goes, "No." But have you ever heard somebody say, "I had cancer, and it changed me forever"? Yeah. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to advise an affair any more than I would advise that you get cancer. Yeah. But then the reality that if those things do occur in your life, they don't have to be the only lens through which you see life from that point forward. That you can realize that, wow, I may not have wanted to be, especially if you're the betrayed, if you're the one that's been betrayed, you certainly weren't the one that wanted the affair. You weren't the one that wanted cancer, but can you allow that sort of new reality to give you a lens through which you can discover areas of growth and see things differently? So the whole idea of asking new, deeper questions, better dialogue, I'm excited to say we're developing some material for new, better dialogue. This is so affirming of the work we're doing in this ministry to provide tools for for men to engage their wife better. Do you understand we're talking about protecting themselves from infidelity, moving closer to God and your wife is Mm self-protection. And so we got some new stuff that's coming out. Watch for some new training material. But she said... Ask better questions now. What did this mean? What was over there that wasn't over here? Mm -hmm. She said, don't ask for the details of what happened. You know, you're on the couch or not. Don't ask those questions. Um, Ask, what did it mean? Why was it important what did you get? What was missing? Help me see, because it's a blind spot in our marriage that we haven't been able to talk about, and it's taken this crisis so that to shake me from my status quo and you from yours so we can have deeper, better conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, and a couple of things that she said specifically that have proven to be very, very helpful in the, the healing aspect of the relationship is if you're the offender, if you're the one that's committed the affair— is that it's, it's critical that you express true guilt. Yes. Not, not, over, not over just how it makes your spouse feel, but actually over the affair itself. You express an actual guilt. We would call that, in a, from a Christian worldview, actual repentance. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of turning away. There's a, there's a remorse there, a godly guilt. And the other thing about the betrayer, the one that's committed the offense— is to be the one that is responsible to hold the boundaries. I love the hats because that's you're big on that accountability. Yeah, you've told in your own personal life. I was in charge of checking in. I to, had to tell her where I was. I I had to watch my time and yeah. my money. I had to put it on me. And most guys hate that. 
Well, and the thing is, a lot of times the betrayed, the one who's been offended, will often just, without even any instigation, just adopt that as their role. I'm going to now become the, the cop. Wife, I'm gonna become the wife, meaning I'm going to be the guard and on I will duty be the all one night. That enforces all of this. Yeah. And I'm and what she's saying is the best way is for the one who's done the betraying to t- bear responsibility for the boundaries. But then the one who's been betrayed, she said, you have to curb your curiosity for details. Oh, right. Because yes. that don't that doesn't lead to anywhere anywhere good. And ask better, deeper question. What did this mean? Why did this happen to us? Mm-hmm. Not you hurt me and I'm mad at you, but we can ask better questions that we can actually get. Think about what she said. Most couples stay together, which means they build something better afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to leave you with this because this was very powerful. She said, you know, most people will have two to three uh, intimate relationships in their life, meaning the, the that we would put on par with the level of marriage, two to three uh, relationships like that. She said, the question that you have to ask is, uh, do you want to have that with each other? So the idea is, Let's see about building. In other words, there's a there's a metamorphosis that happens even to a marriage to the same person. And are we willing to go through that transition? Now, it doesn't always, the transition doesn't always have to be an affair, but the realization that we're going to hit stages and seasons in life where asking better questions and being able to wanting to pursue a deeper intimacy are necessary. And so, if you would like help on your journey. Uh, please uh, reach out to us. You can go to our website at puresexradio.com or follow us on Twitter at Pure Sex Radio. And we're glad you've been with us, and uh, we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Thanks. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.